Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. We'll continue our series, Let's Talk About Faith. It's been a good series so far, hasn't it? We've enjoyed it. Who has enjoyed it? Anyone? Yeah. So this word faith, this word faith is normally attributed to people of faith or in faith. You know what it means. If, if you say, I'm of faith, people sometimes think you're, you're religious for one. It, it applies to us lot, as my friends sometimes say, you lot, people of faith and all the rest of it. And they're right to some extent. If you're a Christian today, you've exercised faith or have faith, which is, which is clearly described in Hebrews 11 verse 1 which says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We've seen that verse a lot recently, haven't we? Confidence and assurance. Another version says to be sure of and to be certain. We're confident and we're assured about what we don't see. The truth of the matter is actually is that we're all people with faith, whether you're in faith or not in faith, right? Ah, now, you might be questioning me there. You might be sitting there this morning automatically thinking, if you're not a Christian this morning, whoa, hang on a minute, I'm not in faith. I'm not a person of faith. Well, actually, you are. (laughs) By example, let me say, you walked up this morning, those stairs, perhaps today, and at no point did you ask for a structural report on the stairs, did you? Did anybody ask for one? I don't know if anybody asked for a structural report on the stairs. You You just, by faith, walked up those stairs knowing it was going to take your weight. Or if you took the lift, nobody asked for a test certificate to see when the last time it was tested. Similarly, you've all sat down on a chair today. Yeah, I didn't see anybody when I came in today picking up the chair and testing it and giving it a good feel to see if it was going to hold your weight. You all sat down confident that it was going to take your weight. So we all have a faith of some description or we know what faith is. This is the confidence an assurance or faith that you had without even giving it a second thought. Didn't even give it a second thought. I wonder what it would be like if we all had faith in the Lord just like that. Just like we have faith in everyday things. That we were confident and assured about what He is going to do. That He is going to show up. That He is going to remain faithful in our lives. Being a Christian isn't all about coming to church, singing songs, Having a cup of tea and a biscuit afterwards. Those things are great. I encourage you to do that. Coming to church, the Bible teaches to not give up coming together. We know that that's important. But our response to Jesus should be that we want to know him more. And we want to grow our relationship in him. Deep roots, healthy roots are important for any Christian walk. That your roots are growing down into him. And that's why we encourage you to know God in the very first session of Growth Track. It's right up there, right at the front, to know God more. Because we know it is important that we have a great relationship with God. A great relationship with God that only goes to deepen our roots. How do we know that? Well, that's where our Bibles come in. God inspired this book for our benefit, not for His benefit. You want to know what, about love? It's in there. If you want to know about forgiveness? It's in there. If you want to know about relationships? It's in there. If you want to know about your identity? It's in there. How often are we hearing about identity today in the news and in social media about your identity? 
Our identity is, is in Jesus. Let me tell you that right now. You cannot put a label on yourself. You cannot say what you are without Jesus telling you who you are, that you are a son and a daughter of the living king. That is your identity in him. God didn't bring about this Bible with a time frame in mind. He's outside of time. He's beyond time. He knew it would be as relevant now as it was then, as it will be in the years to come. We hear so many times it's old and it's dusty and it's irrelevant. It's, it's, it's get with the times. Come on, get with the times. That's for the olden days. No, God has this book that he knows that is going to be so relevant for us now. If it ever was a time that it was relevant, it's now. The truth is, if the whole world lived and lived with even a small percentage of this Bible, we wouldn't be seeing half the stuff that we see now in the world that brings us heartbreak. But despite what or how much we think that we're steeped in faith. Sometimes we have to go through some stuff, right? Sometimes we have to realize that when the winds are picking up, the, the storms are coming in, that we're going to have to go through some things. I remember when I was canoeing on a lake once when I was younger, and you could feel it was, an, well, it was a mill pond when we started out, and then the wind picked up, and the waves started to just white peak a little bit, and you knew you had to get bit in. You knew you had to get uh, tied or moored up because the winds were moving in. There was a storm moving through, and we could feel that sometimes in our lives. There's a test on its way. There's a trial on its way, and that's where we're going today, looking at this thought of a test of faith. If you have your Bibles with you, brilliant. It means you're a super Christian like Phil and Sharon down here. <laughs> Phil, quickly, Bible out. Get your Bible out. It, there you go. It's electronic. It's electronic. If you've got your Bible with you, let's turn to First Peter. Chapter 1 and verses 3 to 9. Who likes the Bible? Who's got a paper Bible? Who's got an electronic Bible? We all got a Bible. Who reads the Bible? Yeah? I just I saw a story recently and I, I, I sort of saved it. A pastor had been round to um, a couple's house for dinner. And uh, after dinner, he thanked them very much and went on his way. Uh, and the wife noticed that a spoon was missing. And she, she started to question, he's, he's stolen a spoon. This guy's nicked a spoon. I can't believe it. He's, she started to get really edgy about it. And I can't believe it. Over the, the coming weeks and, and months as, as, it, as it went along, every time she saw him preach and stuff, he was like, he's being, he's being hypocritical. He stole a spoon from me. I can't believe this. A year went by and they, they had the pastor around again for a meal. And, and what happened was that it was still bubbling an insider. And when they sat down to eat, she said to him, why did you steal a spoon from us last time you were here? He said, I didn't. I put it in your Bible. <laughs> so, if anybody wants to invite me around for dinner, you better be reading your Bible. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 to 9 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us 
new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who's thankful for that from the dead? And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come to prove so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. There's a nod to Hebrews 11. And are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. When we were kids, we lived in Canada for a little while. And in Canada, as you may be aware, the seasons are, are quite quite. I like the seasons there. They're really good. Spring is spring. Summertime is really warm. You swim in the lakes. Uh, through autumn is beautiful. Into, into wintertime, it gets really cold. And on the campus that we lived on, it was a Bible school that my parents were involved in. There was a, a small lake there, and we used to swim in it in the summertime. But in the winter, it froze. Now, we used to really like ice hockey. Now, we're, we're kids from the UK. We've never seen this before. We were really into it. Through the summertime, you play in the gym. It was more like floor hockey. But in the, in the wintertime, you played it on the ice. You got out onto the lake and played it on the ice skates. But there was a time when you had to test the ice. Is it thick enough to actually skate on? Now, the testing method was this. We used to get, a, a, can you remember the old runner sleds, the, the metal runners on them? We used to get one of those sleds, and Muggins here would lie on it, and they'd push me out onto the lake, okay? A little bit, I can't remember if there was a rope on it or whether it was just arm's length. I can't really remember. It just felt like I was going out quite a bit. And what I would do, I'd be listening, you know, for the, you've heard ice crack, you know, okay? So if you knew it was cracking, or you could hear it cracking, you knew it was just too soon, right? This is too soon. You'd do a little bit of a knock and all the rest of it. No, it's too soon. Pull it back in. Because what we had to do is we had to wait for one of the adults to come and really test it. But we were, we were, we went, um, we didn't have patience for it. We wanted to get out there. Now that's why we were doing this. So because the, the winters got really, uh, really cold very quickly, um, we'd wait another week or so, go out again, and you, you could, there was no cracking. You could thump it. It was like concrete, and that's the way we used to do it. Get one of the fellas to come out and check it. Yeah, we're all on. Game, game, is, game was on, should I say. And there we were. That's how we did it. So how did we know it was going to be right? How did we know it was going to be suitable? How did we know it was going to hold up under the pressure? We had to test it. Many things in life have to be tested to prove its genuineness. What it's, it is what it's supposed to be, that it is genuine, that it is authentic, that it is real. Things, many things you can see, I used to work in the electrical industry and we had to test the installation to prove that it was fit for purpose. We had to prove it. If you look at that passage again, it uses that very word, the language of genuineness, the real deal. How do you know if it's genuine? Test it. So it's the same with our faith. To see where it sits in this genuineness, it gets 
tested. Nobody can say that they haven't been or haven't seen trials in their life, particularly if you're of an age that have experienced maybe a little bit of life. But surely, if we're in this Christian gang, that's all irrelevant to us. Surely we're immune to, to trials and testings and pain and, and grief, and we should have an easy life. We should be sailing through it, right? Well, well no. Bad stuff happens to everybody regardless of where you stand on the walk of faith. And I think we can go through two different types of category of trial. There's a trial through sin. It's a result of sin. Not necessarily your sin, but because sin is in the world. There's this thought that, that God sends bad stuff. God's there handing out bad things in some sort of weird, sadistic way that he wants to see you go through misery and pain for his own benefit. And that is not true. I saw a clip the other day, and I, I think it was an old clip from an interview with a guy called Stephen Fry. We're all familiar with him? Yeah. Very intelligent guy. And he was asked in this interview, what would he say to God if he had a couple of moments to spend with him? What would he say? Well, he firstly started out with, well, that wouldn't happen anyways because I don't believe there is a God. But if there was a God, I'd go down the route of asking him why he gave bone cancer to kids and why he has this worm that burrows into eyeballs and went on to call out some of these other different things. He even went on to call God a maniac for creating a world such as this. But the fact is that what he said actually wasn't true. God wasn't dishing out or has dished out bad stuff like diseases and things that do bad things and, and horror car crashes and murders and all that sort of thing. That is a result of sin in the world. God created a world that was perfect. It was created in a way that there was no badness in it at all. And he looked back when he had done it and he said it was good. But then man got involved and we decided that we knew best and brought sin into the world. And at that moment, it caused a fracture in the whole of world, or the whole of the world, the whole of how he intended it to be, which ushered in murder. We see that early on in scripture. It ushered in disease. It ushered in all these things that we see today. And it is a result of sin. God isn't there sending out stuff, this bad stuff, for his benefit. It's because of a broken world. How do I know that? Well, the Bible tells me in that familiar passage of Jeremiah 29, verse 11, where it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He isn't there to try and knock you about for his own enjoyment. Things happen in life because of the result of sin in this world. And then there's a trial through test. Trial through sin, a, a trial through test, possibly divinely sent as well. Another way we go through trials is if God, time, God sometimes maybe divinely appoints them. Have you all heard of a diagnostic car test? <laughs> These days they plug cars in, don't they? You used to take it down to a mechanic and he probably hit it with a hammer and something fell off and he needed fixing. Otherwise, it's, it's okay. But these days, you, you plug it in and the whole computer system tells you what's wrong with it and it, it gives all the readouts and all those sort of things. And that's what this is kind of like. God may be just putting something in your way to test your spiritual condition, your spiritual health. How are you doing on the Christian walk? A diagnostic test test a Christian diagnostic test if you like 
God tested the Israelites, for example, when they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. How do I know that? The Bible tells me. I keep referring to the Bible because it tells us all this stuff. Deuteronomy 8 verse 2 says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to, in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He was testing them to see what was in their hearts. And we go through these sort of trials too. So maybe it's a fallout with a loved one. Maybe it's a puncture on the way home from work and, you know, uh, you, you, know, you want to get somewhere quick and you've, you've got a, a puncture. Traffic jams. Who loves to be in a traffic jam? There might be people out there who love that, but I know I don't like to be in a traffic dram, uh, jam at all. Anger comes out. Other trials, lust, pride, greed, all these different things you can bring about is a result of your spiritual condition. And these sort of tests that God maybe allows us to go through aren't designed to lead us into sin. They're designed to reveal the sin that lurks within. They're revealing what's in your heart. Oh, I've been doing so well with my attitude with driving. I've been so amazing. I've been letting people come through. Then somebody cuts you up. Well, that's fine. No problem. They've cut me up, but they haven't flashed their blinkers to say sorry or waved at you. Now I'm starting to get a little bit angry. And now I'm starting to feel like, why is he not apologized? And then you start giving it some, you know, and that's revealing a spiritual condition. Someone within our family uh, told me a story once that they remember someone cutting them up and they went off to, to, you know, gesture and shout and all the rest of it. And, you know, and later down the road, they, uh, they actually saw them in one of the, the, the rows as they came to speak. <laughs> so this person, he sees, catch the eye. Oh, my goodness. That's the guy who's just cut me up and I've just, you know, given him a whole mouthful. And here I am preaching the word of God. So little warning there. Just be careful who you're shouting at on the roads. But God may be just doing a little health check on you. How's that package of the fruit of the Spirit doing? How is it going in your life? What we need to remember that is that, either, that is that either trials through sin or trials through test, God has not left us or he's not abandoned us. Regardless of what we're facing, regardless of what we're going through, he's right there in the mix with you. Because as we go through these experiences, as we turn to him and not away, that genuineness of our faith, the genuinity of our faith will prevail. Unfortunately, though, it's testing times where those professing to have faith are quick to run to things like fear, like anger, like envy, like a break from church. Ooh. Or whatever it is. Those are the things we just need to be careful of. Faith that is surface level will get blown away like chaff. It's not grown into a strong relationship. Just like any relationship. If you keep your marriage at arm's length. If you keep your friendships at arm's length. It's going to fail. It's not going to stand the test of time. Instead of tapping out, how about saying, you know what, I'm going to trust God in this situation. You know what, we might be seeing a tough time in our marriage. I'm going to trust God through it all and we're going to stick together. You know what, my business might not be going well. I'm going to trust God in this situation and see what he does in and through it. How about trusting him in it, in that moment? God may be trying to cement your faith. 
brings something out of us that sets us up well for the purpose that he has created you for. Sometimes that is needed. And we don't see it at the time, but when we see it in the future, we can praise him for being there and through that moment that we've seen him work in our lives. He's trying to develop our faith just as we sat on the chair or climbed those stairs today. I wonder if we are convinced that he is in control, that he still sits on the throne. A genuine faith, as verse 7 in that passage says, a genuine faith is much more valuable than gold. So just quickly in the last few minutes, what do we need to do with this? What do we need to do at times of a test? How do we navigate a time of test? Well, we need to persevere. The dictionary defines perseverance as continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. The action or condition or an instance of persevering steadfastness. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, in verses 1 to 3, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw everything, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set out before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If you're a sports fan here this morning, you will know that elite, elite athletes don't get to the top of their game by natural ability alone, do they? Can we all agree that? Marathon runners, for, exa- for example, Particularly, I can imagine the pain that they must go through on a weekly basis in order to fine-tune their bodies into running such long distances. I do about 3K in the morning. That's me done. Well, I'm done after about maybe 500 meters up the road. I'm feeling ready. I'm starting to blow. But to go 20-odd miles, forget that, man. The pain that must be that these guys run is nuts. They must go through so much, but they still persevere. They persevere knowing that they're going to achieve through that commitment to their training, aren't they? They know that that's what's going to happen. And that's what Paul is teaching us, that perseverance is crucial in our Christian walk. Press through with perseverance. If ever there was a guy to speak out about trials and tribulations, it is Paul. He went through so much. It actually says in Acts that Paul will face many sufferings for the Lord's sake. And he did. We could list them all today. He went through so much, but still he persevered. Could have easily said, you know what, forget this. It ain't worth it. Who feels like that sometimes? We've all got to be honest sometimes. What is this all about? Why am I going through this again? It feels like it's repeating sometimes. It's so, it can be so grinding, you know, it, it, it can wear, be wearing as well. But he points us towards Jesus, who also faced his own opposition. But what did he do? He endured it. He endured it, even to death on a cross. So persevere. Keep going. What else are we going to do? We're going to trust him. Trust him. 
Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Who goes to our own understanding sometimes? We know better sometimes. We, we know what we need to do. We know what's happening. But no, we need to trust on Him. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your bodies and nourishment to your bones. So easy to run to what we think. We know best. We try to second guess things. We try to do it our own way. But God says, trust me. Can you remember the trust exercise that maybe you've seen before where somebody might stand on the edge of a, a stage like this and they have three or four people behind them to catch them? That's the trust that this is talking about, that you close your eyes and you fall back, you know? And you thought, yeah. Sorry, Phil. You would have caught me, Phil. I know that. But that's the trust that we're talking about. Trust. God isn't going to step away. He's not going to step away from you and not be there for you. I remember friends doing that, stepping away for laughs. And for, it wasn't me, but somebody fell on the ground. Thankfully, it was wooden floors. If it was concrete, it would have been another story. But it's just boys, isn't it? <laughs> God isn't going to step away. He is going to be there for you. God wants us to trust Him because He will make your path straight. In other words, it may get a little bumpy for a while, but don't bail out. Don't run back to fear. Don't run to anxiety. Why? Because He will make your path straight. So when we feel like we're falling, when we feel like all is lost, when we feel like I've got no hope, when we feel like the, the worst is happening, just know that He doesn't step away. You can trust Him with your life like you would a good friend. He is with us every step of the way. And finally, we're going to stand firm. The Bible tells us in Colossians 2, verses 6 to 7, it comes out of the back of, So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. It's important that our roots are laid down, right? It's important that they grow deep, that we do what we need to do in order to strengthen our roots. We talked about getting into Scripture. The main way, God's main way of communicating with us, the main way to develop your relationship is to know His Word more because you reflect on it. As soon as something comes along, bang, that verse can come into your minds and, and give you a reassurance, can give you a, a peace for whatever it is that you're going through. We need to let that happen so that our roots grow down. We purposely, on purpose, need to get into God's Word. Pray with Him daily. Get tapped into church, whether that's just being here regularly on Sundays or coming online for our Bible studies that was advertised earlier or joining a small group. All these things will help you develop your relationship with Him. He wants you to experience Him to the max. To the max. Why? Because when the storms of life come along, and they will, when trials and tribulations come along, 
We can stand firm in the face of adversity or whatever it is that you're facing. With those strong roots rooted down, you won't be blown over. You won't be blown away. You won't be easily shifted from your faith because you will be in Him and He will be with you. He will be there beside you. He will walk through whatever it is that you're walking through with you. So because we persevere, because we're trusting in Him and we're standing firm, we are bringing out this genuineness, this genuine faith that we read about in 1 Peter, which is greater than the worth of gold. It's never nice going through trials. It's never a good time, is it? I don't know anybody who would say, I loved it. I loved it. I loved that disease. I loved that financial ruin. It was fantastic. But what the Bible does say in James is to consider it joy when we go through these trials. It may not feel like joy then, but what God does in and through you and that you see at the end of it, you see how He's shaped you, you see how He's molded you, you see how He's using you now to speak into other situations that you never experienced before, that you didn't have the the, uh, qualification, if you like, to speak into. He's now using you to do greater work because He's allowed you to walk through these testing times. Testing times are never easy, but it can be joyful when you look back and see what God has done through you. All of which comes back to, in verse 7 of 1 Peter 1, praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know, there's coming a day when that old hymn, as it says, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And the morning breaks, eternal, bright and fair. When the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore. And the roll is called up yonder. I'll be there. Who wants to be there? Oh man, this is all the Christian life, the whole life that we live as we walk through with confidence knowing that God is with us. We're going to see some stuff, experience some stuff, but there will be a day when we land on the shore of eternity when all of that is gone forever and I look forward to that day. You might be going through some stuff today. I don't know what it is. You might be going through the tests of of trials right now. It might be the test of sin right now. I don't know what it is, but God is with you and you might just need to declare that. You might just need to declare that He is good, that He is there, that He is with us, that He is in control, and that He is in the throne. Something happens when we worship in our hearts, doesn't it? Something happens. You might need, just stand to your feet, would you? Something will happen. Something will happen in your heart when you come to worship Him. There is a joy. Sometimes we need to lift our voices and sing it. Sometimes we need to declare to give Him everything. Shout until we see those walls come down because God is faithful. He loves you. He wants the best for you. And if you believe that this morning, I want you to lift your voice one time here. The group is going to lead us into this worship.